after these messages, we'll be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of After These Messages, the podcast all about television commercials. We talk about the good ones, we talk about the bad ones, and we talk about the ones where people say weird shit like this. Can I flip your meat? My name's Andrew Walsh. I'm here with Genevieve Haz. Hey, Genevieve. Hi, Andrew. Uh, today's a big, big secret. We kept a lot of secrets from each other this week, huh? Yeah. I prepped the main segment of the show, and I want you to be surprised and filled with joy and wonder during this segment, so I asked you not to look at those show notes. You are very excited about the Ad Council segment. Yeah, we got a couple of really good Ad Council submissions. But one you of which, won't tell me what they are. One of which I know is going to surprise and delight you. <laughs> so there's that. We're keeping that secret from each other. I kept from you the fact that I was going to use the flip your meat drop at the beginning of the show. I thought you might get a kick out of it. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you grade that drop? Um, Can I flip your meat? <laughs> you know, just like the more you play it, like it the better seem, it gets. It does seem like uh, that is the case. That you're getting, I get more of a rise out of you each time I play it. So I'll do it one more time. Can I flip your meat? And then we'll put it to bed for the day. Um, all right. Well, the main segment today, Vives, is uh, the return of one of our favorite uh, segments that we did on the show in the past. And it is the return of Battle of the Spokes Critters. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! So we've done this once before, Vives. I would call this Battle of the Spokes Critters 2. Yeah. Uh, we need a subtitle. Um, uh, grudge Match? Grudge Match. Let's see if maybe something comes up uh, during during the show. Battle of the Spokes Critters 2. That's right. This time it's serial. <laughs> I like it. Because a lot of them are... A lot of them are serial characters. Um, yeah, so what or we, we could do call is, it serial killers. <laughs> we could. Now, I, I purposely try not to rely too much on serial critters for this. If you haven't heard the uh, the first... By the way, it was like 40 episodes ago that we did this for the first time. Yeah. I thought it was just like a couple of months ago. Yeah, we may have some new listeners who need a kind of a quick uh, overview of what Battle of the Spokes Critters is. You want to give it a shot? Sure. Um, so there are, as you probably know, uh, many products out there that rely on not necessarily a spokesperson, but a, like an animated or CG spokes critter. So um, your Keebler elves, your California raisins, your par snaps, your crackles, your pops. Yes, your Geico geckos. <laughs> yes. And so I guess, wow, like 40 weeks ago, so a long time ago, uh, we did, we, we would, we matched up what we thought were sort of uh, competitive competitive matchups between various spokes critters and debated which you know who would emerge victorious in a fight in a fight i want to make it clear it's a physical fight this isn't some sort of high-minded who uh who does better at representing their brand no who moves the most boxes of insurance or what have you no no no. this is a straight up knockdown drag out exactly i wouldn't say a cage match necessarily i picture it more like a boxing ring but um, the rules are pretty fast and loose. They can use whatever they, you know, it's a, it's a battle. Yes. It's a battle of spokes critters. Uh, let's go over, before we introduce um, today's matchups, let's take a look 
at uh, the matchups from last time we did this, because I don't remember who won and who lost. You did a little research today, went back in the archives. First matchup last time, I believe, was Keebler Elves versus Snap, Crackle, Pop. Who won? Well, we both agreed that the Keebler Elves would be the winners in that matchup. And uh, it was I won't belabor each one and, and re- rehash every single battle, but the basic thought was there are more Keebler Elves Mm-hmm. Then there are Snap, Crackle, and Pop. They There's can sort swarm. Of a, sort of an army of elves. And ultimately, whatever magic elfishness the the, Syria, the the Rice Krispies elves have, they're just more elves to deal with. Gotcha. Okay. Honey Nut Cheerios B versus Geico Gecko. Did we get... I, I feel like it's the Geico, right? Scrappy? No, really? You're wrong. Really gave it, it to was, the B. It huh? was the B. The, the Gecko was too sort of pacifist and mm. uh, passive. The B has... Wings, a stinger. Okay. Uh, oh, and size too. I think we decided we decided the bee would be almost as big as the uh, gecko. Or yeah, would it be we, size? they seem to be about the same size. So that's a bi- that's a big scary bee. We pitched the uh, M and M's uh, against the California raisins. Right. That was actually that was our only split decision. Yeah. Uh, you went with the California raisins. You said that they were quote a bunch of cool jazz guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and They'll that you do thought, anything. And that you thought they would be tough because of their jazzness. <laughs> and I said that the M&Ms had like gotten themselves out of so many scrapes uh-huh. and and so many threats where they were going to be eaten, but then seemed to be okay that I thought they were scrappy. We'll talk about uh, jazz men. What about Chester Cheetah versus Joe Camel? Those are two jazz men right there. Sort of, Although yeah. well, Joe Camel is less of a jazz man. He's more of a like... He's a, he's a Fonzie. He, well, I think he hangs out... In like kind of crappy bars where white guys are playing blues rock. Okay, yeah. I mean, he's definitely, they sort of gave, they tried to give him like kind of a 50s, uh, you know, what are you rebelling against? What do you got? Right, Type right. of vibe. Whereas Chester Cheat is a straight up jazz man. Yeah. I mean, to the point where I'm he's quite a, sure he has a, a heroin hepcat. addiction. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, we, we decided that Joe Camel, because he's killed millions of people, uh, would, just put, <laughs> would just sneak up in the night and I quote, uh. put two in the head. Oh, my God. Our show's entertaining when I forget all about it. Then you recite <laughs> it back to me. Yeah, it was fun to go back and listen. Final matchup of uh, the last show was Kool-Aid Man versus Jolly Green Giant. I want to say I gave it to... Well, I, let me not relitigate it. Who, who do we give it to? You were you were very hot on it being the giant because of his giantness. Sure. But then I talked you into Kool-Aid Man because he's far more violent and the Jolly Green Giant seems like a very gentle giant. That is true. Yeah, he's like... A, um, the, the Kool-Aid Man is literally a juggernaut right just burst through walls and i'm gonna make the same pun that i made 40 weeks ago okay good he's a juggernaut (laughs) i totally forgot i should go back and listen to the show sometime or at least pay attention while we're recording it all right so that's what uh the matchups were last time this time and i again i kind of set up these these matches i hope you agree with them i wanted to kind of get your reaction and i wanted you to have a fresh take while i did a little bit of background on these characters yeah thanks for doing all the research yeah of course well the first one is poppin fresh aka the pillsbury doughboy is his name actually poppin yes true what i like about this matchup as a matter of fact is they're both aka's poppin fresh also known as the pillsbury doughboy versus lefty does anybody know who lefty is also known as the helping hand in hamburger helper yeah did you know it was called lefty no no idea yeah it's all over the place wow yeah i had like triple confirmation of that all over the place except in the commercials where you might actually know or see it well there was here's one thing that's interesting as we know uh the uh uh, hamburger helper folks 
did a great marketing little spoof on uh, April Fool's Day where they had um, the Hamburger Helper guy supposedly release like a mixtape, a hip-hop mixtape. Um, uh, it was great. It was like five tracks. As a matter of fact, let's just start with this one. This was our favorite song off of it called Feed the Streets. And by the way, we didn't know at the time who these musicians really were. They are these um, college students in an art and music school in oh, cool. uh, St. Paul. Remember after our show, one of our friends who lives in uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota, was like, I know some of the people who worked on this. Yeah. I've been in the kitchen, whipping, whipping. I've been chefing, mix it with my Lefty. You hear it? I didn't I even do. I didn't even remember that being in there. Um I the, do wish that I've been chefing would become and maybe it is, but I'm gonna start using it to say I'm I'm gonna i I've been cooking. Well the thing is a lot of this this was a five song EP. I feel like this track works the best because of the obvious parallels between cooking drugs and cooking. Like these are terms that are used in hip hop anyway. They're just using them literally now talking about stovetop uh or I'm sorry, um hamburger helper. Whoa, not stovetop stuffing. Sorry, hamburger helper. <laughs> They're probably Everybody both relax. Um, but, you know, cooking up whatever in your kitchen, chefing, all the... Raekwon the chef is famous, you know, Wu-Tang Clan member. That's why he was the chef. It wasn't because he was making hamburger helper. Uh-huh. I'll tell you that much. Anyway, uh, it was hard for me to find a lot of background on Lefty because this huge internet phenomenon happened and that has, like, blocked out any kind of quirky old articles that you might find other way about yeah. otherwise about lefty when something huge happens to these brands in 2016 really makes it hard to kind of go back some of the lesser known ones the the uh, spokes critters that didn't drop any mixtapes in the past 10 years or so i was able to find a lot more information about them but i was surprised to know that the uh, the uh, helping hand is known as lefty uh let's take a listen to some classic hand here some classic lefty this is from uh, a 1985 uh after school special break we'll return with the cbs school break special after these messages dinner ready what do i make not plain hamburger again Somebody order a pizza bake? A pizza bake? It's a new hamburger helper flavor you make a new way. In the oven. Just top the easy bake crust with hamburger and our pizza sauce and pop in the oven. Ready for a pizza bake? Sure tastes great. It was so easy to make. Boy, that looks nasty, oh, huh? Oh, God. I mean, I, we'll post these to the Facebook group page. This food that they are proposing to, for this family to eat is just vile looking now i had a theory that i was not able to i mean it um, legitimately looks like dog poo it, yeah, but on a like kind of but a, on toast uh, yeah on toast <laughs> um and then cut up into squares no it does not it does not look good now i had my theory was that so that was the hamburger helper that was lefty my theory was that it might even be the same voice as the person who does the giggle for the Pillsbury Doughboy, oh, AKA that'd be crazy. Fresh. I could not find anything to back that up, but let's take a listen to a Pop and Fresh ad here. Say hello, say hello to Pop and Fresh Dough. It's such a nice, such a nice feeling to take something fresh. Pop and Fresh Come on, poke him in. He doesn't really have any lines. He just gets poked in the stomach and giggles. 
Danish rolls just taste better when you bake them up fresh and hot. Try Pillsbury Danish good. in the dairy case. Yeah, I guess I I have very little to go that's on. That's pretty old. That's from 1972. That doesn't sound like the hee hee that's current. Yeah, I kind of grabbed that one at random. And uh, I think he ta- I think the Pillsbury, I think sorry, Pop and Fresh. Yeah. I think he talks more now in modern commercials. Oh, is that true? I mean Do you want me to look for him? Yeah, more you, can one? you look on the fly real fast? Yeah. Cuz yeah. he definitely says nothing says loving like Pillsbury crescent rolls in the oven, right? That's him. I can't remember if he says that or if the um, or if the announcer says that and he just giggles. Okay, let's try this one. I don't know. This looks old too, though, huh? Yeah. And make it extra special. Hillsbury Crescent dinner rolls, home baked, and okay. He just gave a little giggle in that one, so we're not finding any more modern. But that's that one's pretty old. Uh, here's a 2016 one. Why don't you look up uh, holiday pizza sticks from Pillsbury? Sure, you could sit around all night waiting for a pizza to be delivered. But wouldn't making it yourself be a lot more fun? His voice is definitely lower. <laughs> Maybe he's not in it's this It's baking one. season. Warm up with Pillsbury. Nothing. No. P- lefty no. on the sidelines on that guy. Or poppin' fresh on the sidelines. Oh, sorry. Also no lefty in it. Although that would have been weirder. Wow, they really seem to have abandoned him. Mm. All right, let me give you a little bit of background on this guy, and then we can make some decisions. Um, the Pillsbury Doughboy was created by Rudy Purs, a copywriter for Pillsbury's longtime agency, Leo Burnett. Of course, we talk about Leo Burnett a lot on the show. So Purs was sitting in his kitchen. I'm reading this. I think this was from Wikipedia. 90% of my stuff comes from Wikipedia today. Purs was sitting in his kitchen in the spring of 1965 under pressure to create an advertising campaign for Pillsbury's refrigerated dough product line. Purs imagined a living dough boy popping out of a... out of a Pillsbury Crescent Rolls can. To distinguish the dough from the rolls, he gave it a scarf, a chef's hat, two big blue eyes, a blush, and a soft, warm chuckle when poked in the stomach. The Doughboy was originally designed by Milt Schaefer and brought to life using stop motion. When they originally created it, Vives, they wanted it to be totally animated, but then something, it was like the credits to some 1960s TV show that used 3D and, uh, you know, like 3D modeling and stop motion animation, and they were so impressed with it that they switched gears and decided to make the Doughboy not a cartoon. So the original one claymation. was like a claymation? Yeah, the, the original one that we saw, the original concept was a cartoon, but the cartoon never came to life. So that's what we know about Poppin' Fresh, keeping it poppin'. We got Lefty with a fire mixtape that people can't, uh, can't get enough of. Of. We put them both in a ring together. What happens? Well, let's assume they're the same. They're proportionate I to agree. each other, um, which seems right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's interesting. Like the the lefty is all hand. Yeah. So he's going to be good at grappling. Yeah. He's sort of made to grapple. Yeah, I, I'm giving it to the hand. I mean, that. I mean, how are you going to fight a hand? How are you going to fight a hand? Let's I tell you what. Not to make this too dark. But somebody comes into our house right now and starts assaulting us. Okay. Who do, who do we have a better chance against? Somebody our size who's a human being or somebody our size who's a hand? Well, I mean, the sheer horror of that is going to slow us down to start with. Yeah, and, and you don't think that Poppin' Fresh feels <laughs> horror? I think he does. So I think that no doubt about it, Lefty, and of course Lefty now has so much street cred. Like, Lefty's probably coming with a posse. 
Well, let's let's assume that it's mano a mano. Okay. That it's um, I don't know. Does it actually mean what does mano a mano mean? Is, yeah. Is it hand to hand or oh, or person to person? I always thought it was person to person, but you're right. It might actually be mano to mano a mano, yeah. hand to hand. Yeah. Um, I think it's the hand, and I also think that that pop and fresh just isn't cut out for combat yeah i agree uh i you know what the honestly i don't want to see him fight i like to think that they'll just like they seem more like snugglers would that be disturbing to you if you walked into a room and there was a human-sized lefty just snuggling on the couch with a human-sized pillsbury doughboy there's so many things about that that would be disturbing to me (laughs) the fact that they're snuggling on your couch is a problem right start right there do you want to move on i feel like we're belaboring this one yeah all right all right i think that's a pretty obvious round one. one to the hand okay round one to the hand will you write these down this time so we yeah. don't have to go back and actually listen to old shows for the next time would you want one of my fancy new pens okay. here you go um all right the next one Veeves, is we were talking about one of these fellas on last week's show i think or maybe the week before the general now the general is uh an insurance company you can buy uh, insurance like auto insurance for if you're a high risk person uh a high risk driver you might turn to the general insurance and they have um a logo uh, uh, i'm sorry a mascot who's like a he seems like he's probably about what two to three feet tall he's like a he he just looks like a military general, just an army general, mm-hmm. probably like kind of Patton-esque. Patton-esque, yeah. Uh, the, the, big, flowing handlebar, white mustache. So he's like a retired, you get the impression he's like a retired or aging general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Captain Crunch. We know a lot about Captain Crunch, of course. Many of us uh, grew up with him. Let me give you a little background on Captain Crunch. Um, this is, uh, I want to say uh, Wikipedia again. The mascot depicted as an 18th century naval captain while typically an American naval captain wears four bars on his sleeve. Do you remember this, by the way? This was in the news a while back. No, I don't. The mascot has been variously depicted over the years wearing only one bar, which would make him a commodore, two bars, which would make him a lieutenant, or three bars, which would make him a commander, not necessarily a captain. So four, so captain is better than commodore, co- uh, commander, and the other one like, I would my guess is that captain outranks them all I'm not sure of that but either way you guess, say you're a captain you better have the stripes to prove I it I guess the only thing that's better than a captain is admiral I would guess okay. I don't know we'll have to ask one what do we call them? we call them navy people navy people we have to ask the navy people about this <laughs> the wall street journal wrote an exposé about this i want to say 3 or 4 years ago uh, these are quotes from the wall street journal but, uh the it was wall- slim pickings for the wall street journal that the, week it was a blog post the journal says uh quoting here lieutenant commander chris cervello of the us navy news desk at the pentagon the wall street journal actually called them up and the quote from the commander is we have no captain crunch on the personnel records we have no notified ncis and we're looking into whether or not he's impersonating a a naval officer and that's a serious offense by the way this whole thing was the best publicity for captain crunch cereal yeah why was the wall street journal because some bloggers started pointing out that he didn't have the right number of strikes so the wall street journal on their blog decided to kind of have a little bit of fun with it but also apply some reporting to it uh this is again from the wall street journal according to his official biography captain crunch whose full name is horatio magellan crunch was born on crunch Crunch Island in the Sea of Milk. 
Wow. This is for, I think they dug back into old marketing stuff. Uh, a magical place with talking trees, crazy creatures, and a whole mountain made out of Captain Crunch cereal. It's called Mount Crunchmore. It remains unclear if Crunch Island is part of the United States. He took command of the SS Guppy and spent decades battling his arch nemesis, oh, his arch nemesis, the pirate known as Jean Lafoot. That's a lot of has, detail. That is a lot of detail. So has Jean Lafoot ever made an appearance in the Captain Crunch ad campaign? I'm not sure if that's all just backstory, like in Westworld or what. All right, looking it's it up here. just to help him, like, be more real with the cereal consumers. <laughs> right. Seem, seem more authentic. It looks like um, Captain Crunch of... Uh, here, it looks... Yeah, look. It looks like we got one right here. Let's go ahead and uh, watch this. Eureka! At last, I, Jean Lefoot, the barefoot pirate, have my very own breakfast cereal. Fiddlefoot, Lefoot. You haven't had a winner yet. Oh, no? Try this, Captain Crunch. Very well. Hey, this is delicious. It is? I mean, of course it is. It's good. Uh, what's the flavor? Cinnamon toast. It's the flavor of cinnamon Now, that was a weird toast. editing choice. We, yes. we This whole cartoon is taking place on, uh, you a know, the deck. A cartoon sailing ship. Yeah. And, uh, and, and LaFoot is, I can't understand why he started feeding Captain Crunch, Captain Crunch cereal. But anyway, that's happening. Then suddenly in the middle of the commercial, we just cut to live action children. This is from like the 70s. Live action children sitting around a table just eating it. Let's continue. Now we're back on the ship. Oh, it is. And what do you call this delicious cinnamon crunch cereal? What else? Cinnamon crunch. <laughs> Figures. Well, afoot, this ought to make you quite a hero with the kids. Yeah. A hero? Me? What will my pirate crew say? Lafoot is a fink. I thought that's what they'd say. New Cinnamon Crunch at your grocer's now. So that's interesting. That's a spinoff of Captain Crunch, apparently. Cinnamon Crunch. Uh, oh, and, and it's and it's actually Cap- actually Jean Lafoot, which is a very bad name for yeah. a food You don't want mascot. to be thinking about feet while you're eating your cereal. The Barefoot Pirate right. was actually the uh, the mascot of that one. So in a way... It doesn't make sense for the for the general to fight the captain because the captain already has a nemesis. Are you fucking undermining my <laughs> battle of the spokes critters? I will stop this podcast. All right, so you'll turn um, this podcast around. <laughs> I certainly will. All right, as it is, Genevieve, we have Captain Crunch up against the general, who I had very I had a tough time finding information. Marketers it's, don't bother to write a whole big backstory for their their spokes critters anymore. No, well, I did find though. This is going directly to generalcarinsurance.com, uh, a timeline of the general, the general insurance mascot. Listen to this overblown language. You'll enjoy this as somebody who used to work in PR. In 1963, the general began selling insurance under the company name Permanent General Agency over the years, the general... So in other words, all right, forget about this part. They have been around since 1963. They didn't change their name to the general until 1997. Although adorable mascot didn't join the ranks until a few decades later, the general brings over 50 years of experience to the table in the auto insurance business. The general is proud of its long history. Take a look at how the general has evolved over the years. I actually may be confusing this one with the Aflac duck one, which we'll get to later. Okay. Spoiler alert. So um, the general comes around uh, as an insurance company and as an idea of a mascot in uh, 1997. Look at the original image of him. It's just like a very crude drawing of a five-star general holding a giant cell phone. 
Um, and then uh, it, it updates a little bit in April of 2001. They get a new logo, a new uh, a, a new drawing. Uh, March 2007. This is the we're getting closer to the horrible uncanny valley mm-hmm. general that He's we know 3D today now. it's like this 3d very bad animation his cell phone still a flip phone still way too big uh 2011 they actually i think this is good they take it back to more of a, just a straight up illustration of a general with a more moderate sized blackberry mm-hmm. um which works better for me and then we get to january 2013 gone back to the awkward the back, gross 3d they took a trip back to the uncanny valley yeah. and they've stayed there they've created a town there in the uncanny valley and it is disturbing i was talking about the general wow recently. that's quite an evolution we'll post this link to the page yeah you can yeah. really you can really see the uh the artwork evolving over the years yeah i think the first one was literally on the back of a napkin um so anyway so that's what we know about the general the my friend and yours, Luke Burbank, who I do TBTL with, this came up on the show the other day. He believes the general may be dealing with like a uh, a mental deficiency of some <laughs> sort. Or is definitely was not born with all the faculties that maybe Captain Crunch was. So I don't, I don't know, know. That... Captain Crunch when he was tied to the mast and being fed cinnamon crunch mm-hmm. um, was very blasé about his situation and had sort of a slurred speech. You feel like he didn't show the... I think neither uh, of them is in top form. Do you think that the captain did not show the leadership that a captain should show? He just seemed like chilled out about it. Do you think the fact that the captain may not even be a captain, the whole thing is a fraud? Does that play into the battle at all? Well, I think that the thing about the fraud and the the right number of bars or whatever is like, we don't know what the standards and protocols of... uh, What's the name of his island? Uh, I know it's Mount Crunchmore. The, um, he was born on um, uh, the Crunch, Crunch Island. Island in yeah, the we don't sea know what milk. the Crunch yeah. Island like, Islandian military protocols are. It could be something totally different. That's a good point. The Wall Street Journal is making a stretch here. They end that paragraph by saying it remains clear if Crunch Island is part of the United States. Well, back up a second, Wall Street Journal. Is the Sea of Milk? Identify where that is. Right. I'm pretty sure that that's not international think, waters or milk. I think a basic look at a map of the United States will tell you that that Crunch Island is not part I think of the you're absolutely right. So, He's a foreigner. So definitely, um, I think the Wall Street Journal definitely loses this battle. Uh, I think... I'm going to throw out... I'm not going to... I, I guess I'm not going to make this a final declaration. I'll throw it out there. You tell me what you think. I think the general's going to get fucking crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, I do think that Captain Crunch is going to be a little bit more flummoxed easier. Uh, I think that the general might just be... He is Patton-esque, and yeah. he's going to be a little guy, and he's going to have that, you know, that Napoleon complex. Even though Captain Crunch's hat is more like Napoleon's, the general is just going to have more of this, like, Napoleon complex, and I think he's just going to be a whirling dervish. I came to the same conclusion for a slightly different reason. The general exists in a time of techno- of more modern warfare technology. That's true, too. The captain is from a time, sort of a master and commander, the time of piracy, the time of, you know, um, England's mastery of the sea. But let's be honest, you know, the, the most advanced technology that they had at that time was like cannon coming from right. the... I mean, I you know, I think it's just clear that the general has access to more advanced technology than the, than the general. He can drop a daisy cutter on him or something. Is that what they called him? Well, I'm thinking he's more of like a World War II era general. Oh, okay. But, yeah, you're probably right. But still, later later than uh, than the 
you know, 1800s. Okay, so we're in agreement on this one. The, the general, general takes that one. Uh, now, my next matchup, Veeves, our next matchup is, uh, this was a tough one. This was the toughest matchup. The Michelin Man, who I have some very interesting background on, versus Mr. Clean. Mm-hmm. Who is a nominally a person. Who is not? This is the closest thing we've got to to having a real human. Let's start with the Michelin Man. I didn't. I mean, I guess it makes sense now that I know this. But Michelin is a French tire company. Never really thought about that before. Been around for a really, really long time. The Michelin Man birth name was Bibendum. Do you want to know why? <laughs> yes. It is fascinating. So the Michelin brothers, this is in the late 1800s. They're, at, they're trying to sell their tires at the trade show, at a trade show, or at least get some attention. And one of the brothers, and I, there, there must have been like weed involved. He notices that a stack of tires looks a little bit like a man. And he's like, just add some arms to that thing, man. And that looks like a man. Later on, this cut to, I think, five years later or something, they're trying to figure out some you know, design and logo stuff. And they're sitting down with, I think, a famous logo designer. And they're looking at some of his previous work. And one of the – picture an old French-style poster that's like an mm-hmm. advertisement for beer. And it's got this big hulking guy with a beard. And he's holding up a big, um, he's holding up a big beer mug. And it's an advertisement for, for some sort of beer hall type of thing or maybe a brewery. And it's got this quote from the Roman poet Horace – I can't, I'm not going to try to say it in Latin, but it's now it is time to drink. They take that image exactly and they just replace it with a man made out of tires. What about the beer he's holding? You're wondering right now. I'm glad you asked, Genevieve. They replaced the beer of mug with a cup filled with nails and broken glass. Yeah. Because I guess he's tougher than that stuff that can might hurt lesser tires. So now you've got this big scary monster on this poster, and I saw an image of it. I'm sorry, I don't. Uh, let me see. Actually, wait. I think I might have an image of it here for you, Veeves. That's oh what they God. end up with. It doesn't look like a stack of tires. It looks like a mummy. It looks like a mummy, and it is holding a glass filled with broken glass and nails. It is horrifying yeah that is really horrifying and they kept it's kind of a very like um moulin rouge style yes of like graphics and fonts and things so that comes out in the very very late 1800s maybe early 1900s they keep the um the the quote nuns es bibendum it is now time to drink they name them bibendum and the Michelin Man has been going strong for well over 100 years now. Wow. Right? Okay. He looks pretty different now. He does. He does. But it's still the same man. You got to remember that. He once held a glass of glass. And is he still supposed to be made of tires? Because he's a white Michelin Man. He looks sort the of like the... color's always been off. He, he looks... I mean, I guess maybe back at, back then, tire either tires weren't black by definition or just the style of the drawing didn't lend itself to making the the rings that he's made of black. It would be harder to kind of. It would be harder to identify the individual rings of tires. Maybe it was all black. I assume. But it's funny, you know. I've, it's never occurred to me in thirty nine years of life that he's made of tires. 
Right. You know, I know. I never really thought. Because he just really looks like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Right. I'm assuming, though, that this Michelin Man is probably the size of, I'm going to say, if not a human, maybe a golem. Like, maybe a little bit bigger than a human. Yeah. I think he's like the size of the mountain. In Game of Thrones. Yes. I, uh, you think he's like the mountain or the hound? No, the mountain. The, you ma- think the mountain. The, the mountain, mountain is a big a guy, but the okay, mountain yeah. is like almost a giant. Okay, I'll go with you on that. So that that's that's in one corner. In the other corner, you have Mister Clean. Why are we going with somebody who's conceivably human? I don't know. He's I wanted, buff. I, he's buff. He's a cartoon mostly. I wanted to kind of get him in the ring and just see what he can do. Is there any? Has there ever been a? You know, we should have had Mister Clean fight the brawny guy. That's a better matchup. Why yeah. didn't you do this show? Well, we can let we can have a we can have a face off after 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 this one. Okay. Well, a little bit of background on Mr. Clean. We talked about this actually in detail earlier this year because I think it was late 2015. Uh Mr. Clean, the you know, Mr. Clean, the company released this long, like two minute internet commercial that told the background story of Mr. Clean, and it was like the Superman story. Basically, yes. he just appeared in some farmer's yard uh, one day, and so the farmer adopted him. And as he grows up into a young boy, and then uh, I think he a spent some man, time as like a merchant marine or something. Yes, right. All the other boys are like looking through the window at a tricycle and bicycles and things that they want, and he's looking at a mop and a bucket and he goes and he starts traveling the world and and the point it was very overblown let's listen to and it's just also a little bit as a it. reminder deep in the heart of the uncanny valley deep yes and i believe all i think most of the other characters in this ad are actually real live human actors yes. except for him who's in this oh, just yes him and the general man are just like those two are like they should fight their way out of the uncanny valley You think DC Comics sued them over this? No one can say for certain where he came from. But they're certain he was born to clean. See, while most little boys always find ways to make messes, he'd always find ways to get rid of them. He had plenty of friends. But a different idea of fun. He is so awful. I am. I very much like this, though. But I know that it makes you uncomfortable and you dislike it. I actually like it. And I spent some time today watching the follow-up ads that came out of that. Like, he's just like this. He's always silent. Yeah. And just he's got this kind of becalmed smirk on his face all the time now. This is the latest version of Mr. Clean. While somebody's having some sort of cleaning emergency, he'll just be standing in somebody's kitchen somewhat creepily with a smile on his face. Like he's just like he's reached total zen peacefulness. Yeah. Um, and so that's the, the that's the new Mr. Clean. Uh, originally, maybe not originally, I think he, he started off as a cartoon, but back in the 60s, uh, they had a real actor play him. Do you know who House Peters Jr. is? I don't, but I feel like I have seen... Um images or footage of of the guy who was of mr clean as a person now what i like about this is a couple of things this is all coming back to um the fight you know what is mr clean i've always assumed that he's got some sort of sailing background because he's don't we see him on a ship well in, in it, the in, in the, the story? origin story one yeah. we, he get, i think you're right it's a merchant marine thing but it's but he's like not in the military he's like just kind of exploring the world um but even long before that it's kind of like I guess just because of his appearance, he's not wearing anything that is sailor-like necessarily, except for the big earring. Right. right? And he's always and dressed he's a, in white. He's dressed in white. Which I think just gives you a feel of sailing. 
Now, watch this uh, commercial from, it doesn't have the, oh yeah, 1963. So this is Mr. Clean. The actor is portraying him. And if I recall, uh, it's kind of this a similar scenario. There's a woman cleaning in her house or a hallway, and Mr. Clean just appears to give her a hand. Um, only I think he's dressed like a normal guy, except he's bald with this big earring. It's a little bit strange. I could be wrong. Yeah, look, he's in a suit. Excuse me, lady, but floor cleaning doesn't have to be that tough. Listen, mister, I know a little more about floor cleaning than you do. Now, would you be moving your big foot so I can get home sometime tonight? You, Mr. Clean, can get your work done now, faster. isn't that weird, faster. just seeing a somewhat kind Much of normal faster. guy in a suit, only he's Mr. big, Clean standing over top of her, and he's got this just giant well, earring in? It's such a bizarre choice. It really is odd. At the end here, I want to get to the part where he just drops her bottle on the ground to prove it won't break. This is cool, too. Faster than other liquid cleaners. Beautiful. And you're going to like new Mr. Clean's... I also feel like this is racist against the Unbreakable plastic bottle. It is very... (laughs) It is definitely very... very, My my potatoes are burning. It's very poor Irish from a different era. Yeah, she's dressed like... Honestly, she's like... Just dressed in sort of like rags. Okay, so we have Mr. Clean. We know that he's tall of stature. We know that he's he seems strong. He's yeah. muscle bound. He's in great shape. Yeah. He keeps it tight. He keeps it so tight. Um, but he's human. He's straight up human, whether yeah. it's a cartoon human or whether he's House Peter's And subject Jr. to all of the laws and right. physics and whatnot. Meanwhile... All of the human frailties. Uh, Babendum, a.k.a. The Michelin Man. Right. I'm really sticking with this sort of idea that he's Gollum-esque. Sort yeah. Of. No, he seems horrifying to me. Right. And I don't mean, by the way, I don't mean Gollum like Lord of the Rings Gollum. I mean like You mean more, like the Jewish kind. Yeah, exactly. And don't, am I right in thinking, or is it just because I read one book and that's how they describe him? But I picture them kind of bigger, like kind of they're human-esque, big. They're but like, bigger. They're like, big sort of. and sort of roughly human shape right so but they're also like sort of a like a sort of a monster and i don't i think i forgot to mention this before but he drinks glass and nails yes yeah I, no I, I i think he's kicking i mean i think mr clean will be lucky i think he's gonna do this clock cleaned is what i think <laughs> That's He'll be lucky good. if he lives to fight the brawny guy. <laughs> That's right. We can do the brawny guy uh, next week. This was a complicated one already because after I was setting up this match, it occurred to me, what about the scrubbing bubbles? Do you remember these guys? Yeah. They're like, they, they're, um, are they, the scrubbing bubbles are actually represented by scrubbing brushes. Yes. And the bubbles are, so you're right. I guess maybe this would be the scrubbing bubble brushes. Here's an old ad from, I think the seventies. All right, Bubbles, get this ready to hit the church. I should be coming to counting. Look oh, how many there kid. are. We're going to give this bathroom the shine of its life. Oh, no, there's no mercy. Now that's, so this is from 1978. That is a key shot right there, Vives. As you spray oh, the Dow cleaner... Each thing that has a little scrub brush under it, is, it's not really a brush. It's a bubble that is such a good scrubber that it has little scrubbing oh, brushes. Oh, so, okay, so we're retracting that. Yeah, they are actual bubbles themselves. But as you spray in this animation, millions of these bubbles come out, mm-hmm. and then... Dig in, kid, dig in. There's a leader. Shine. Disinfect. Deodorize. We'll never scratch or leave any grit. Oh, we never do. We never do. <laughs> you didn't, good kid. Now let's go down a drain together. 
I feel like while while their goal is very similar to Mr. Clean, I feel like there's a inherent violence in them. Uh, I don't mean that in a bad way. I might mean it like in the way you might talk about a football team or something like that. Like they're ready for action. I guess so. They seem really dumb to me. They're not smart. They seem like if you if you just like quickly were like, oh, what's over there? Look behind you. And you could like quickly outwit them. So the secondary match here, Mr. Clean versus the Scrubbing Bubbles. I think Mr. I'll give it to Mr. Clean. Really? How does he take them on? He just distracts them. He just like he tells them to get in the bathtub. He somehow like tricks them into getting in the bathtub and then opens the drain. Oh wow. Okay. Um I don't know. I I mean I know there's some like connecting the dots there that I haven't thought through. Yeah, I think I think the scrubbing bubbles overwhelm Mr. Clean. I am really I think Mr. Clean is a he's a big man. He's a big hearted man. <laughs> <laughs> but he's found this level of peace. I just can't picture him fighting any of these. I think that I think the bubbles overwhelm him, and uh, I think they play dirty. I think they sneak up on him when he's not ready for it. Uh, I think he can. I think he can outwit them. Really? Yeah, he's a worldly guy. Okay, split decision on that one. Yeah. Now, Mr. Clean, we're really putting him in a lot. We'll hold off for now, but next time around, remind yeah. me, we got to have him go up against the brawny man. That would have been fair, too, because that's at least human versus human. I'm really mad about and this both, whole part. And they're both cleaners. Yeah, I'm really mad about this whole thing. I set this up wrong. All right. I should have talked to you about it. Well. All right. How about this one? This one is a good matchup. The Cookie Crook versus the Hamburglar. They are both on the wrong side of the law. They're yep. both trying to get us to... Uh, or as I see here in your notes, they're both anti-heroes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a Which quote. is a strong... <laughs> I know. Strong description. This one, this one had a great Wikipedia. You know, you got Walter right White, you got the Cookie Crook, and the Hamburglar. And we should mention the Hamburglar, of course, is always trying to steal McDonald's food. The Cookie Crook is always trying to steal Cookie Crisp cereal right. from kids. Um, let me read to you about the background of the Cookie Crook. Do you know that the Cookie Crook was not the original uh, mascot, or whatever you want to call it, for Cookie Crisp, Cookie Crisp cereal? It was actually Cookie Jarvis. <laughs> It's so weird. Introduced in 1977, the first Cookie Crisp mascot was Cookie Jarvis, a wizard in the Merlin Merlin mold who, with one wave of his hand, magically turned cereal bowls into cookie jars, usually chanting rhyming incantations along with it. I had no recollection of Cookie Jarvis at all. Did you? No. And... Although now that I see that, now that I see the image, it rings a vague yes, bell. Yes, that's exactly my process. But why Jarvis? Because jar, cookie jar. Oh, but it's discons. But it doesn't work. But then you. But then it's a jar. You're just thinking like, weren't you in pulp? No, that's the wrong British pop band. <laughs> Who, who's Jarvis? I don't know. Uh, uh, anyway. Um, all right, so here, let's take a oh, look. Oh, you can't have 1983. This is Cookie Jarvis the Wizard. You can have that crunchy cookie taste with lots of chocolatey chips. Look at little cookie. But it's a cereal and part of a complete breakfast. You can have Cookie Crisp. Millions will enter the Cookie Crisp Game Sweepstakes. There'll be over 20,000 winners and a grand prize of 100 exciting Milton Bradley games. You can see details on boxes of cookies. Sorry, now I'm just looking at all the games. What a complete con. Uh, I don't know which, uh, which cereal company this was, but like you cannot have cookies for breakfast. That is not responsible parenting. <laughs> now, one thing that this underscores you can to tell me, that, though. You can tell they know that's the problem with their pitch because that's like the whole, that's the whole right. message. It's like, you know, you really can. That What they wanted was kids going to their parents, and I'm sure this happened many, many times, and saying, 
it's it's just cereal. It, why can't I have it? Right. It's just cereal. More on honestly, you you've hit on something there. More on that in a second. My research does hit on that. Um, so you have this cookie wizard, Cookie Jarvis, which, by the way, it does underscore for me the dichotomy of the cartoons that are trying to sell you cereal, right? There are only two kinds. The ones that are providing you cereal, providing right. the children cereal, and the ones who are Your trying Captain to Crunches. steal it. Or yes. your Trix rabbits. Exactly. Trix is trying to steal it. The cookie crook is trying to steal the cereal from the kids. Yep. Um, you have the Toucan Sams of the world. They're trying to bring the kids to the cereal or vice versa. Right. Trix the rabbit actually is a third category. Do I have tricks coming up today? No. I think we're going to hit this on another one because I don't know who we're going to have Trix fight. But... Isn't Trix always trying to no, get no, the No, 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 you're right. I'm not thinking of him. I'm thinking of Sonny the Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Uh-huh. He's often trying to mind his own business, and then the kids start tormenting him oh, with the cereal. Interesting. More on that when we get... We, we don't have time to get into that uh, today, but that was a that was an epiphany I had today. So, okay. So, you have Cookie Crisp being sold by Cookie Jarvis the Wizard. I'm going to dress up like a lady... Uh, a lady of means and go to fancy bars and call myself Cookie Jarvis. <laughs> As well you should. Um, but don't bring any gentlemen back here. Okay? <laughs> uh, in 1985, Cookie Jarvis was replaced by the Cookie Crook, an anti-hero. I love uh, whoever wrote this for yes. Wikipedia. Who attempts to steal the Cookie Crisp and the Cookie Cop also known as Officer Crumb, a police officer with an Irish accent who thwarts the cookie crook's attempts to steal the cookie crisp. Let's take a listen to this classic commercial from my youth. Hey, crook, what are you doing? <laughs> Scratching my back. He's trying to steal our cookie crisp. Where's the cookie cup? Cookie crook, you'll do anything to get the real cookie taste of cookie crisp cereal. I know, I know. It even looks like little chocolate chip cookies. But it stays crispy and milk. And it's part of this complete breakfast. Well, cookie crook, what do you have to say for yourself? I guess I'm not such a smart cookie, after all. If you like cookies, you'll love cookie crisp. Kind of hate the kids in that. I feel like the kids knocked him out. The the uh, cookie, He was trying to take their cookies. But there wasn't... He is so small. I feel like you give him two of those little pieces of cereal, and that's going to be good for him, and you've given if up you hardly anything. If you give a cookie crook a cookie, he's going to want a glass of milk. <laughs> Okay, quick update on this. Turns out <laughs> the Cookie Crook is no longer with us, Genevieve. I didn't know this. Uh, is, is Cookie Crisp still? I mean, I can't believe like any parents are buying that for their kids. In 1990, the Cookie Crook was given a sidekick named Chip the Dog. Where do you get this bullshit? This is not... <laughs> I'm serious. This is disloyalty. And dogs are supposed to be loyal. So he gets a sidekick named Chip the Dog. Chip would howl the cereal's name, Cookie Crisp, in each ad before he and his master were inevitably foiled by the cookie cop. After General Mills bought the Cookie Crisp trademark from Rayston in 1997, Chip became the sole mascot of the cereal, and the Cookie Crook and Cookie Cop were retired. In the new format of the advertisements, Chip was a friendly pooch, no longer wearing a mask. He went he went straight, yeah. is what happened here, who offered Cookie Crisp to a group of kids. He got so flipped. We've, we've got, he flipped. He went from being the, the characters that tries to steal cereal and is now distributing cereal. Typically, an adult would interfere on like the that grounds. Guy, like that guy from Catch Me If You Can, that Abagnale guy. 
I don't know if I've ever seen that all the way through. He's like he was like an amazing forger, and he like be, I mean, it's a true story. He was like an incredible forger, fooled everybody for years. He was, and then oh, right. he finally gets caught at the end. And then the FBI is like, "Oh, you're the best forger we've ever seen. Can you come solve forge crimes right, for us?" And right, now he right. like goes around and like speaks about it. And stuff. So many forge crimes back then. Um, but this is to your point, Vives. In these ads, these new Kooky Crisp ads, where it's just the dog giving away uh, cereal, typically an adult would interfere on the grounds that cookies are not breakfast food, but they would change their minds once Chip gave them a taste of Cookie Crisp. How much is that brand just like taking it straight on? Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's what they found in focus groups, right? That like right. adults said, oh, hell no, this is just dessert. But I love that the thing that turned the adults around was like they took a bite of it and were like, oh, it's delicious. Yeah, cookies are delicious. Now, uh, one thing I just realized is I did all that research on the cookie crook. I did no research <laughs> on the hamburglar. I don't well, know I why. We can probably wing that. We probably know uh, about Yeah, and I'm probably going on way too long anyway. But there is a good uh, McDonald's hamburglar court scene <laughs> that I remember from... Um, from something I was looking up not all that long ago. Do you remember when they took the Hamburglar from like the sort of cartoony version and they tried to do like, they tried to cat, they cast all the members of the, of McDonald land with people or they at least cast no. that one. That no, character. I don't know if I do know it's that. It's upsetting. Um, let me see if I can find. Okay, well, hold on. I can't find the courtroom one right now, but here's a McDonald's Hamburglar commercial from 1986. It looks like it's taking place on a college campus. Hamburger University with Ronald McDonald. Good morning, class. Good, Good morning, Ronald. Today's subject, the Hamburglar. Ooh. And I should mention here that Ronald McDonald, obviously a clown, is instructing a class full of actual hamburgers. Yes. The students are little hamburgers, about the size of a hamburger, uh, just sitting on top of their desks. And they're very interested in the background of the hamburger. Hamburglar. Ooh. The hamburglar is very clever and very sneaky. The hamburglar! Okay. While Ronald McDonald just uh, zipped up the, uh, what would you call that? He, he pulled a... It's like a picture of the hamburger that he pulled down from the from the chalkboard and then when he's when he released it back up standing behind it was the real hamburglar right there hiding almost in plain sight so now ronald mcdonald is going around the the classroom and he doesn't realize that the hamburglar is in the classroom i assume getting ready to steal these anthropomorphized hamburgers and he loves taking mcdonald's hamburgers so what should you yell when you see it Ronald Taylor! That's right! Uh-oh. Hamburglar! Jig is up. Uh, the Hamburglar is leaving the room with all of these, again, living hamburgers, and Ronald McDonald is chasing him. I like how, like, the Hamburglar in this scenario is the bad guy, but what are you supposed to do with hamburgers? I mean, we're all supposed to be eating them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess when, when you live in a world where you're trying to make the world a better place by educating hamburgers, uh -huh. seeing somebody steal those hamburgers would be on the wrong side of don't you morality. think this, i mean sort of no joke like as a kid i think it would sort of be upsetting to to imagine because didn't kids do this actually already they sort of like they do kind of anthropomorphize their food and they kind of imagine that an inanimate objects have personalities and i could see it being sort of upsetting to imagine that the hamburger that you get in your happy meal has some sort of interior life i know well that we've had a whole, we've done a whole show about that that like i also think as adults that's 
troubling, yeah. right? Like, why are we like, why are we giving living attributes to the things we eat, even if they were alive at one point? Why remind us oh, of that? Taylor! That's right. Uh oh, hamburger. It's a good time for I like. You've got a lot to learn. He gets him. And then he has to do like the Bart Simpson thing where he has to write, I will not steal hamburgers a right. of times on the board. Um, I do think it's interesting and perhaps telling that Ronald McDonald, when he teaches his class, wears a mortar board the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Ronald, not to tell you your business, but, you know, that's not typical of professors. Like, they just wear those on special occasions. Right. And, uh, yeah, actually, I've never seen a professor. It's really something that students wear on graduation day, right? Well, uh, uh, faculty will wear their regalia, which includes a mortar board. Okay. Let's take it to the ring. Let's take it to the streets. Yeah. We have Cookie Crook in one corner. We have the Bites Hamburglar. Bites one on the ground. That's right. I don't know if that's helpful here. We have the Hamburglar in the other corner. I think it's a good matchup. I think it's a pretty balanced matchup. Yes. I honestly, it's a tough one. I, I think well, let's assume that they are that they are proportionate to each mm-hmm. other. Because um, obviously, I would say in the way they're depicted in these two ads, the cookie crook is very small and the hamburglar is big. But let's just, for the sake of argument, mm-hmm. say that they're roughly the same size. Um, they're both sort of bumbling. They both tend to be foiled. Uh, does the cookie crook get his dog pre-flip? In other words, is it two against one in yeah. this? I think it's we got to keep it uh, mono uh, hamburger in this <laughs> one. Um, I don't know. It's a tough one. Do you have an instinct? My gut just says the hamburger is going to get a little crazy. I don't know why. I I find the hamburger personally more menacing. I think that's true. If I had to wake up and Stealing one of them those was living like, hamburgers. Right, that was scary. It was scary. Let me put it to you this way. I know that I'm bringing this way too close to home in all of these. You wake up one morning and right. either the cookie crook or the hamburger is yes. sitting at the end of your bed. It's the hamburger is scary. That is scary, right? Yeah. I just and there's a reason for that. There's so something almost that, jokerish about his yes, demeanor. Yes. I that's a very that's a very good analogy. Can I do one more with you here. One more, and then let's do ad council. Okay. Um, th- we'll keep this one quick. Not so much background. How about the Vlasic Stork versus Aflac, the Aflac Duck? And I want to quickly acknowledge that we've had uh, we've had a ton of mail about the Vlasic Stork um, because I forget why we were talking about that those Vlasic commercials mm-hmm. earlier. But he does a uh, there's have a sort of a, a catchphrase. Um, that's the best tasting pickle I ever hoid. I ever hoid, and it's when it crunches, and it's a it's a specific reference to Groucho Marx that we stupidly uh, were oblivious yes. to. Yes, and also um, we realized, I think we did talk about this in a feedback segment uh, after that show, that Vlasic marketed themselves as the pickle pregnant women crave. After all, who's a better pickle expert? So that was how Vlasic... Do you remember that? I, th- I think we talked about it on the show. Uh, if it... I don't remember, but yeah. Probably. Anyway, yeah. So you have this Groucho Marx style, classic stork, good-hearted guy going around delivering pickles, not unlike a stork would deliver babies. That's in one corner. Elder. I'm going to say that's one of the older characters, at least as it's depicted, mm-hmm. right? Meanwhile... Um, older, like it's he's meant to seem old. Meant to seem older. Now, the Aflac duck, in actual reality, 
is I think the youngest mascot in the fight today. Uh, didn't wasn't created until I believe the mid two thousands. I have a timeline here. Nope, he was created in the year two thousand. So that's our youngest. Um, I have a whole timeline background on the Aflac Duck from the Aflac website here. I'd, I've gone on too long, so I won't read it. This is the one though. I'll send it to you later. It is so funny the um, the way they describe the the regalness of uh, the Aflac duck and how uh, momentous it is in, in a modern history. One thing they leave out of the rundown though, the timeline is the time that they had to fire Gilbert Gottfried as the voice of the Aflac duck because he was yes. making a bunch of Twitter jokes about the uh, tsunami in Japan. It was tsunami, not nine eleven. Yeah. I, I knew it was one of the two tsunami, tra- really yeah. big tragedies. Um, Cause he was doing it for almost uh, 10 years or something by this time. Yeah. Yes, um, he was fired. What do you, I mean, I think opinions vary on whether or not he should have lost his gig over that. Um, you know, the details of the case are a little bit yeah, lost on me right now. Yeah, I don't remember right how now. egregious the jokes were. I mean, here's what I say. You hire Gilbert Gottfried. Gottfried's got a Gottfried, right? Yeah. Like. He's in the like he's like the star of the aristocrats, right? Yes. I mean, like his whole thing. He's like your comedian's comedian guy, mm-hmm. and he's nothing, going nothing to be is off limits. Yeah, it's just from a, kind of a different era. I'm not even defending that type of humor. I'm just saying that's who he is. Now they probably hired him because he sounds like a duck. <laughs> <laughs> right? He does have a very distinctive <laughs> right. voice. So I don't know. It would kind of depend. But also, I was looking at some of the tweets today. You know, he's tweeting out stuff like. I don't know why I feel the need to repeat this, but like just call, you know, all this breaking news is going on. People are losing their lives. Thousands of people are losing their lives. And he's tweeting out things like, just talk to my realtor. Asked her if there's a school nearby in Japan. She says there will be soon or something like that. Like just kind of like just these dumb kind of insensitive jokes. They weren't even the jokes themselves didn't go after any individual. They were just kind of they were reminded me of the type of jokes sixth graders make up about tragedies. Right. Like my era, and I won't repeat any of these, but were the sh- space shuttle jokes, yeah, right? Sure. If I was an adult then, there's no way in the world I would have been swapping space shuttle jokes with Tony Corey <laughs> in the right. elementary school bathroom, right? But when you're little kids, you make up jokes like this. But then there are some comedians who don't grow out of that. You're yeah. Gilbert Godfrey. No, I agree. The jokes themselves aren't that funny. It's purely in the the titillation and the of saying of transgressing a boundary. Right. So you have the stork who's both uh, elderly in reality and in depiction. You have the Aflac duck who seems young in both reality and depiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Aflac duck's a real duck, right? Not yes. not a uh, not not claymation, not a cartoon, but a real duck. That's just sort of like they have him. I mean, they must there must be some amount of computer animation to his because he sometimes like gets yeah. smashed into things and. Uh, you know, yeah, I guess his, it's a computer his, animated. He'll, duck. he'll get like smashed, and you'll just see his beak come out. Yeah, I think you're, he's so, always sort of having like accidents that require insurance. Well, when I got hurt in this work, thought I had supplemental insurance. Supplemental insurance? What's that? Aflac. Well, even best insurance. See, these are real ducks. Cover things like lost pay, other expenses. This does. What does? Aflac. Should ask about it at work. Really? What's it called? Aflac. 
Aflac. You could really hear the Godfried in that last Aflac. So that, (laughs) according to YouTube, that was the very first Aflac duck commercials. Two guys sitting on a bench, by the way, in the park uh, when the Aflac duck comes up and tries to convince them uh, to listen to it. Uh, So that's your Aflac duck. I think the Aflac duck, I mean, is this even a close one, Veeves? Well... Why do you think the I mean why do you think the Affleck duck has it in a walk? Um it it just seems like it could get nasty to me. I think that the old stork is just too genteel. I guess so. I mean, okay, let's just break it down for a minute here. Real stork versus real duck if they get into a it's fight. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I'm I might give it to the stork. I mean, it's it's a taller bird. Um, I think it's a, probably a slightly bigger bird than a than a, your standard like white duck, um, and it's got this like is a, right in your wheelhouse. It's got a big. I know I love birds. It's got a big long beak, huge wingspan. I mean, I think an angry stork. Like, okay, let me ask you, what do you want to go up against? Angry stork, angry duck. I'll take the angry duck. But is it not just don't. Don't diminish this. This is not just a generic everyday story. I know, but I'm asking you just like, let's let's start. I'm just unpacking it here. Okay. So you want to know, would I rather take on a a generic stork versus a generic duck at this point? I guess I would take the duck. Right. So what makes this duck, in your mind, more, uh, more worthy and more sort of formidable than this stork? Okay. Well, this duck clearly has some, uh, anger issues not scared like the very first right out of the box he's screaming at people yeah. you don't get that a lot in uh in uh, commercial advertising right, i'll give you the aggression okay now let's take a listen to this the, classic to the pickle stork, stork is not aggressive he's not aggressive people are talking about the great taste of vlasic pickles like never before here my dear try a vlasic pickle why thank you dear now that's the best tasting pickle i ever heard Hey, Jimmy, want trade? Sure. Want a Vlasic pickle? Okay. Yeah, I know we're not getting a lot of the stuff. Now that's the best tasting pickle I ever heard. Vlasic pickles. There he is. Try them and you might say... Yeah, you don't like that part. I just think he seems frailer. Even Look at this one. He seems one. Like, a, like a gentle country store owner. What's going on here? Oh, this one doesn't have... Say, I deliver the babies around here. Not to worry, Doc. I deliver Vlasic pickles now. Oh. You see, the baby... The way this stork is drawn down. right here, let me pause it. You can see that he's wearing... He's already got kind of like these bifocal type of glasses on the edge of his nose. But look how big he is. It's as he's tall as a big, man. He's very big, but he's very skinny, very frail looking. And I'm going to say was drawn to be like probably 65 at the youngest. That was where he started out. I don't know. I'm sticking with my vote. I'm sticking with really? Stork. Yeah. Split decision. Split I'm decision. sorry. I can't uh, All right. I can't back down on this one. <laughs> that is a split decision. Uh, boy, I'm sorry. It went way too long on that, Veeves. Um, so a quick recap here. We had uh, Poppin' Fresh versus Lefty, and we gave that to Lefty, yep. the helping hand. Uh, Captain Crunch versus The General. I went with The General. We both did. We did, both did. Uh, Michelin Man versus Mr. Clean. Not even close. Michelin, Michelin Man. Man is just horrifying. Uh, Mr. Clean also, I think it's his ass kicked by the Scrubbing Bubbles. You disagree. Um, Cookie Crook versus Hamburglar. 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 Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, we have total split decision on Vlasic versus Aflac. I yep. don't know what to do about that. Vlasic. <laughs> Everybody's talking at me. 
Special, uh, special stuff for us today, Vitz. What's in the old mailbag? Well, our first email is one that I think you're really going to appreciate. This is from listener Scott. Uh, if you recall last week, uh, we talked about True Car ads. Another listener had written in that he didn't particularly like them uh, and felt like the spokesperson was awkward and sort of off-putting. Mm-hmm. Um, and we and I, I think we said at the time, well, he's kind of like a you type. He sort of looks a little bit like, you know, a generic... Oh, an dis- Andrew type. An Andrew type, right? They like sort of... He sort of... A little norm core, kind of like, uh, you know, bearded guy, glasses, that kind of thing. So listener Scott says, I think you hit on something with the comparison between the true car guy and Andrew. That is Adam Lissagor. Am I saying that right? At, uh, he's His Twitter is Lonely Sandwich. Uh, he, like oh, Andrew, is oh. also a podcaster, an internet icon. He was a key member of the podcast. That's Adam? You look nice today. I which didn't we recognize him. Love. Am I saying his last name right? Um, I, I've never tried to say it before, but I know it from seeing it. That, that's not Hot Dogs Ladies. That's, no, it's uh, Lonely Sandwich. It's Lonely Sandwich. Yes. Oh, yes. You Look Nice Today, by the way, is a podcast that oh. has not been around in a long time. But so go back and listen to it. It is It's just three guys goofing around, and it really, I think, set the bar for a lot of that style of... It's kind totally. of an early your brother, your brother and me sort of. Only my these brother, guys. my brother. Or, sorry, my brother, my brother and me. Um, and yeah, I think there's maybe only like maybe 30 episodes all told. You can just burn through it. You will not regret yeah, it. Yeah, they're super funny. Uh, I was it was I was getting into it. And Andrew, you introduced me to it just as they were wrapping up their tenure. Yeah, this is interesting. Scott mentioned that he thinks that Adam has even been on TBTL at one point. Um, oh, yeah, I think he, I think Luke had some of those guys on before my time. And he says you could probably get him for a behind the scenes interview and pointers on how to become a spokesman in a national ad campaign. Yeah, I for one am looking forward to seeing Andrew on my TV. Okay, so plan B <laughs> or plan A. Maybe, yeah, a that's, plan. That, 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 a plan. A plan. It's just nice to have a plan. All right, that is that, that is some great information, Scott. Scott thank thank you. you. You are my fact checking cuz. Absolutely. Uh, all right, this is from listener Holly, um, and this is just one that really struck her, and I agree, and I think it's it's really worth uh, worth looking at. She says this Phoenix commercial, Phoenix University. Um, commercial gave me the chills. It's the most badass commercial ever. And uh, she says, "Thanks for being my go-to show for cooking and cleaning the kitchen." Yay! I, which um, I know is the highest compliment one yes, can Yes, absolutely. Pay yes, I have my cooking and cleaning uh, podcast. I have to do more cooking and cleaning because the podcasts are stacking up. Um, I just want to point out that Phoenix University. We've talked about their ads once before because what's his name? The Arizona Cardinal, Larry Fitzgerald, Larry Fitzgerald had a pretty emotional yes. kind of moving uh, commercial about his time at Phoenix. And let me tell you, when we watch this one, I'm going to have to narrate it because it's um, it's pretty visual, but it's worth it. Uh, they are giving Subaru a run for their money in terms of emotional punch. Really? Yeah. Okay. So here it's it's beginning with a shot of a um, of a street in I guess Southern California. Yeah, and this is called Alumnus Carlos Ramirez's story. And essentially, what you're going to be seeing, and I'm going to spoil it, is his sort of before and after uh, these parallel images and sounds before his he gets his degree and after oh. and you're going to really it's it's as somebody who does essentially marketing communications for university i really admire how effective this story is in showing impact of a degree because we all everyone in my industry struggles to show that and this does it i mean like perfectly so it's el centro california in 20, 2003 got a big uh, Latino family 
kind of living in kind of down and out. And uh, this guy, Marcos, or Carlos, is studying. So he was studying while his rest of the family were like watching TV. Yeah. It just looked like a lot of people in a pretty small space. He's just doing his homework yeah. in the corner. Pretty poor area. His friends drive by in kind of a low rider. They see him pumping his bike. They kind of yell out, hey, professor. Now, I will say, meanwhile, in their cut with all of these shots, now we're about to see him in a laundromat, like doing laundry and studying at the same time. But we're it's this is all intercut with shots of medical equipment and at like in, at a hospital and um, like respirators. So, and so there's all rooms. this great visual rhyming. Like you see him pumping his bicycle and you hear the squish of the pumping the pipe, the oh, bicycle cool. pump. And then you hear the same like shh sound but it's a respirator in a hospital right okay cool so here we are in a laundromat you're not quite sure what what's happening yet so you go from the tap of his pen while he's studying to the tap of his heel while he's walking down a hospital hallway now he's pushing produce he's clearly a migrant worker or i shouldn't say migrant worker but a a farm an agricultural worker biking you know walking his bike through this very poor neighborhood coming home at the end of a long day He's talking to the doctor, uh, and he's helping. He's uh, he's getting bringing a patient into a, a, an operating room, and you see the same man, Carlos Ramirez, BS in nursing, twenty thirteen or twenty seventeen. Right, it was. right, right. Um, and then it, uh, it goes on to show all of his subsequent degrees. Like he's now director of nursing at this oh. hospital. So he's a really like he has made an incredible transformation from being a a farm worker, an agricultural worker, to you know. A very important right, in the right. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that's 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 powerful. You're right. Very Subaru esque. It's totally Subaru esque, and it really does all. And I, you know, I hate kind of. It kind of bums me out that we have to talk through these commercials because the impact of them is watching them. Right. Yeah. And it's really for some of them, we can kind of give you the gist pretty easily just by talking it through it, or you can hear the 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 uh, audio. That one is so well executed, but it really does depend on watching it. Right. Okay. Well, we'll again post it to the Facebook page. All right. Thank uh, thank you so much, Holly. That's a, that's a great one, and I just love seeing it done so effectively. Uh, okay, this is uh, this is from this is I think is our last one. Uh, is it? Yes, this is our last one. Uh, this is from listener Eric, and he writes: While watching some football, I caught this Bud Light ad in which a guy is trying to open his frozen beer. The song underneath the ad is DJ Shadow and Run the Jewels' song "Nobody Speak." It's a catchy driving beat, but the opening lyrics are: "Picture this: I'm a bag of dicks." Put me to your lips. It's a, it's <laughs> In the song, <laughs> that's the original one. So it's a unique image to evoke to invoke for a beer that already takes so much abuse for its rather limp taste. And so I think this is really funny. And and we've talked a little bit about this kind of thing before. Like I I will always think of Carnival Cruise Lines using "Lust for Life" um, as their main mm-hmm. campaign song, just because it has that like that real party pop sound to it. But it's like. It's it's completely antithetical when you really understand what the lyrics are. Right. So uh, why don't you play this Bud Light ad? And what you're seeing is just a guy. He's in like a he's like tailgating, but on some in some snowy area, and he's trying to open his beer with his glove on. Eventually, he takes his glove off and opens it, kind of like you know, it's it's worth having. It's worth it. It's worth it. (laughs) 
then it says toughest cans in the NFL. And that was a Buffalo fan because obviously Buffalo is very it cold. It is very cold. So now this is the actual song. Yes, which actually is a pretty baller video. So DJ Shadow featuring Run the Jewels, Nobody Speak. We don't have to listen to this whole thing. Oh, is there a long introduction here? No. Picture this, I'm a bag of dicks, put me to your lips, I am sick, I will punch a baby bear in his shit, give me lip, I'ma send you to the yard, get a stick, make a switch, I can end the conversation real quick, I am crack, I ain't lying, kick a lion in his crack. Well, the reason I can't stop, first of all, this song is it's, really good, it's a but jam, the video right? is amazing too, yeah. it's a bunch of people in some sort of like a congressional style hearing, and it's just a bunch of like old white men Don't you want to get sitting, into DJ Shadow now? Yes, absolutely, as a matter of fact, I was somebody who, Run the Jewels is actually one of the buzziest kind of hip hop duos uh, in a long time, and or, or I, I think among our like, among kind of like white hipsters, right. I think, and so because of that, I always knew they were good, but I haven't really paid much attention because I kind of. I don't know. I can't explain it. I have a weird relationship with that stuff. I sort of felt like I missed the moment and yeah. didn't really want to be like another white guy in his 40s who's like, have you heard the new Run the Jewels track? Right. Like, I just don't want to be that guy. But our friend Stubot just sent me another song recently called Panther Like a Panther, which is really good. And that, I was doing some research on it today, is used um, in, I believe, PlayStation ads. Ah, uh, okay. And so it looks like Run the Jewels, like they're, they're perfect for... Um, they're really perfect for advertising. I want to see if I can find this. Oh, it's for uh, Gears of War uh, 4. That, is, that, that their in song a way, though, in. thematically for me makes more sense. I, I, what I like, Eric, I like Eric's point that these commercials and these advertisers pick these songs um, with no apparent awareness of or, or care, caring for whether or not the music itself or the song itself is. It, it, like matches or, or connects with their brand. And sometimes yeah. that's fine. But I always think of this scene, and this is super nerdy, but I always think of this scene in um, Jurassic Park where Laura Dern's character is a paleobotanist and she she uh, like gets to Jurassic Park and she sees all these like plants that they've planted. And she's like, these plants are poisonous. Like you can't have them with animals and people and stuff. And she's like, people just look at plants and they think they're just scenery, but they like have lives mm-hmm. and they have meaning. And like, I always think of that when I think of music that that's used for marketing when it, where it seems like really like the wrong um, thematic tone for the product because it's like, yeah, the music is also something. Yes, but I think that that is a more of an approach of somebody who loves music or Well, I'm loves, not somebody who loves music. Well, somebody who loves being right. Oh, definitely. <laughs> then um because The Lust for Life, I think you're right. It's the perfect example. I mean, that is a song about uh heroin addiction. Um and here it is being used to sell Carnival Cruise Lines, but they stuck with it for a long time. I know that I don't think that was total blindness on their part i'm sure somebody at some point was like well obviously this song is but it doesn't matter because that song became so poppy i'll bet you there are there are way more people who now associate that song with carnival cruise lines than with heroin probably so they just changed they changed the conversation beefs no but for real like (laughs) the majority of people who see that commercial are not going to know that that's a dj shadow featuring right. Run the Jewels and that the first line no, is... No, I certainly didn't. And I've, you know and I've I mean? seen yeah. that commercial. Yeah, I've seen that commercial a whole bunch of times. It's just good music. So does it really matter? Or is it just pedantic? I don't know. Right in, Ad Council. Yeah, what do you guys think about that? I want to just play a little bit of this um, 
song for you because why not Veeves? this is the song uh, panther like a panther that uh, my buddy sent me and uh, the one thing that in here that's neat has something to do with commercials but they use a sample from the halloween music oh, yeah. oh languages I think, I think that ship has sailed I just love hearing how they uh, how they remix that how they remix that uh, Halloween theme. I, I guess what I'm saying here is is I think I'm going to have to go back and probably do a lot of catching up on Run the Jewels, no matter what that says about me. Uh, one more one more thought from Erica. It's sort of along the same lines. Yeah. Uh, it brought to mind the Garnier Fruct- Fructis shampoo, uh, which uses the transplants diamonds and guns, which is a song about blood diamonds and a woman stealing heroin, um, and contains the line. I shot in heaven, now I cry. No one lives forever. In fact, we all die. Which is an existential bit of dread that no shampoo can ever really, res- <laughs> ever really resolve or clean away. Do you want to listen to a little bit of this? I couldn't... F- I've, heard this com- I've heard this song in a Garnier commercial, and I just couldn't find the one that uses it. But yeah, just give it a little play here. This is... Uh, following your link here, this is the... Um just the music video for the original song. Right. So Transplants is the name of the band. And, and any any woman who's ever listened to a Garnier Fructis commercial will recognize it. I like the way that stuff smells, by the way. But their image, the image of this band could not be farther from the Garnier image. So is it the same instrumentation for the Garnier ad? Yeah, it's just they don't have any of the the lyrics. But, this, but this, the music is exactly the same. The same, exact same music. Yeah. Oh, that's that's interesting. Including the woo woo, they do that part. I think. Huh. All right, there you go. That's a good. Uh, but I just love it. Somebody's job at these, you know, market. Somebody's job at these marketing companies is to go listen to to cool mm-hmm. music and then see like what could we extract from this right. music that might be way off the map in terms of what we are trying to say about our product, but has but but can still hear what will sound poppy in a thirty second spot. Right. When I was working at New Hampshire Public Radio, where I worked for a long time, a, a big part of my job, I kind of took it upon myself with the blessing of my bosses to create kind of a whole music bed system. You know, when NPR people are talking, there's always music tinkling behind them. And often it's it's a little bit chosen by haphazard. So I had this whole idea of making a library of different tempoed music and then they could just kind of always have some music that they know had been edited, cleaned up, mm-hmm. ready to go at any tempo at any time, medium, fast, slow, and they had three CD players. And so I would just make – I made probably hundreds of these CDs based on tempo and me just spending hours going through my music collection and my friends' music collections doing that basically, yeah. like cutting out all the lyrics and making full songs, full music beds out of something that might have only been originally 30 to 50 uh, seconds of music. But to your point – Especially because I'm a bit of a goody two shoes and never want to get out get outside the lines. I spent a lot of time trying to figure out like this music works, but it's a it's a kind of conservative public radio station, not conservative politically, but like you know conservative in a not risk taking, not a risk taking way. And it's a you know New Hampshire has this kind of conservative small C vibe too. And I didn't want to like kind of paint outside the lines or getting in any trouble. And so I was always careful not to use songs that maybe did have questionable lyrics even though we weren't playing them and i remember one time during a fundraiser we were making one of my 
we're using one of my music CDs. And when the break was over, the boss, like the big boss, like my boss's boss's boss, who was on the air asking for money, was like, oh, I like that song. Who was it? This is Mark. And I said, oh, it's the new pornographers. Uh And his face, his eyes got really big. I mean, nobody, you know, nobody said to stop it. I just think he was not ready for for that. Yeah. Of course, that's a quote, right? Like the the new pornographers. They call themselves the new pornographers, I've always been told, because uh, someone was quoted as saying music is the new pornography. And so it's a joke. Yes. About being musicians. But I just remember but like, if you're not you just expecting hear, like it. what? The new pornographers. Yeah. So that was a that was a long story for uh small payoff. <laughs> all right. Uh, are we good on the mailbag? We're Anything all done, else? yeah. Okay. Thanks everybody. You can sell anything. You can sell anything. I wanna just say I made a big mistake today. Okay. I really wish Well, I made a couple. I'm really bummed. A little po- postmark here. I'm really bummed about the brawny Mr. Clean situation. That should have been one matchup. Don't, don't let it keep you up. Uh, that bothers me. Also, why did I not have a ding, ding, ding bell like from a boxing match? I don't know. We'll do this again. There's a there's way more critters out there. We got more time. I just wanted to make you proud today because you you had produced the last two shows. You so did I thought- a, you did a great job. I'm very proud. All right, everybody. Genevieve's going to spend the rest of the night talking me down. I hope you guys are also having (laughs) a good, supportive evening. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. We should remind people, though, how they can communicate with with us, I suppose, Viv. Keep coming to the Facebook group. It's such a fun community, and I I see new new members every day. We're uh, just uh, the uh, After These Messages show uh, group on Facebook. Email after these messages show at Gmail and voicemail 607-444-5597. Again, that's 607-444-5597. Have a great night, everybody. With the caravan of Manzas from Pakistan. Karachi Posse's Aki's poppy. Red Octagons couldn't stop me. I burn headband, my eyes all droopy. I've gooey foodies, zoobies in my poopy.